0: I have to share with everybody what a fantastic experience that I've had recently with the Coeur Resort located in Coeur Idaho. What a great place this is. I want to recommend uh, to all of you that you either take your significant other there for a wonderful trip, uh, just like Cindy and I did, uh, or but even better, take your team uh, take them to the resort do a conference there it will be the great uh, experience for all involved and make sure you play golf on their great golf course you'll never have better service in all your life i highly encourage it the corteline resort in corteline idaho ah! Welcome, everyone, to the Manager Mojo Show. I'm thrilled today to introduce my special guest, Mr. Ken Tenser. Now, uh, Ken is the co author of two books on innovation, The 90% Rule, and the bestseller, Cause a Disturbance, which we're going to be talking about today. It's being avidly read by business leaders in the US, Canada, and Europe. Uh, and Ken is an ICG global thought leader for innovation and entrepreneurship and has much success in helping companies uh, build international scale manufacturing, product development, distribution, and professional services. I look forward to hearing uh, his thoughts today. Uh, He's the co-developer of what's called the 90% rule, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Ken, welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Well, thanks for having me today. Well, uh, we're excited to talk with you, and before we get off into our discussion on cause of disturbance, why don't you share with our listeners what fun thing that you've been up to lately outside of work?
1: You know, I've always loved to travel, and I I continue to do that. My kids are all, well, my youngest is going to be 20 soon, and uh, I I actually, I get to travel quite a bit to to go and see what what they're up to, and I met my son in london england a couple of weeks ago he's studying architecture and he's working over in england for four months so we uh walked the streets looked at the galleries and museums the architecture just uh, a a lot of quality father-son time and uh, learned a little bit about new culture
0: that's awesome Uh, congratulations on getting to share such a great experience with you and your son
1: well thank you now it's I'm 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 fortunate I'm able to do it and uh I'm I'm lucky I
0: got kids out there doing some some wonderful things. Awesome. That that's fantastic. So uh for you listeners now, I, I think that pretty well, clearly indicates that when we talk about the book, Cause a Disturbance, he's not talking about his family and he's not talking about <laughs> causing a disturbance at your business. So uh, Ken, why don't you uh, just give a little bit of background uh, to our audience uh, and define why did you call your book Cause a Disturbance? And what were you thinking at that point to, to kind of help us start thinking the right way?
1: Sure. I, I guess the, the background starts with me. I mean, it's scary to say, but I've been an entrepreneur for nearly 25 years now. And uh, as you said in the intro, I've been in manufacturing and services and you know, successfully in and out of multiple businesses. And what I've found over the years is that um, the need to consistently think of uh, new and different ways to engage your customers Uh, it's just getting, you know, much more critical day in, day out. The world seems to be spinning a lot faster. And for me, it is uh, causing a disturbance in the way that I think, that my team members think, that my customers think about their business. And um, it just sort of, again, as an entrepreneur, it just sort of envelopes, I guess, who I am and the way I think and, uh you know, as, as we'll get into and as I talk to in the book, a disturbance can be a small disturbance. It can be a bit of a ripple. We don't have to go for a disruptive on day one, but uh, you just can't let complacency creep into uh, your life or your business anymore, and you, you want to be disturbing things just a little bit every
0: day. Oh, I totally agree. I think uh, progress, and it comes from innovation, and, uh, and innovation is caused by action. And so let's take a few actions now and really start to understand a little bit about this book. I'm, I'm really enjoying it because it captured me from absolutely from page one. And uh, because so many times when we start talking about innovation, I think people uh, just get lost. They think of it uh, as some complex, uh, vague process. And you state this in the book, you say many people think that innovation is masked in complexity. In reality, successful innovation harnesses the obvious. And I love that introduction. So why don't you tell us what the obvious is when it comes to innovation?
1: Well, the, the obvious to, to me is uh, what's right in front of you. And a, a lot of people, A, they think that innovation has to be disruptive and they, they, you know, I've gotten question on many stages how I can believe in simple innovation. Um, and, and call simple things innovative. And the truth is I've never seen a definition that that states that innovation has to be um, a, a certain dollar amount or a certain volume amount. Innovation is simply about having an idea and acting on it, bringing it to market, to you know, c- commercializing the idea to generate revenue or, or control costs. So I think that's really important for all the listeners to understand. And mm-hmm. then within that, Context, um, I, I like to say I've never had a creative idea in my life, um, and, and a lot of people confuse creativity as, as being the driver of innovation. The, the driver of, of innovation is using your, your eyes and your ears, um, watching what your customers are doing and, and listening very intently to what they're telling you because they will tell you what's keeping them up at night. They will tell you what their challenges are, and if you can go away and find solutions to those challenges, then, then you will be addressing, you know, their needs before maybe they've completely understood them. And, and again, that's why I say it's obvious, because you don't have to, you don't have to look that hard. Um, you don't have to think that hard. And it's funny because um, Jeff Betzos calls it reverse engineering. And, and he said that before he started Amazon or any of his companies he he listened to what the marketplace was saying, and he created a company that addressed the customer need. And that, that is just so, that is so essential to, to causing a disturbance, to understanding the obvious, because the obvious is what the, your customer is telling you if, if you just want to take the time and have the patience to listen.
0: I, uh, I totally agree with you. And uh, as uh, you talk about you being an entrepreneur 25 years, I got a few on you. So I'm, I'm not going to tell how many I've been doing it, but I've been uh, an entrepreneur for an awful long time. And uh, people think that technology and the use of technology is uh, the most critical thing. And that's what's going to cause you to be innovative. And, and I actually think that, uh, they have it completely wrong because I see more and more companies that are forgetting. Unless you are delighting your customers and unless you are solving their problems, uh, who cares what kind of software you're using?
1: Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, people, as you say, they use um, technology as a synonym synonym for innovation. But the truth is, it, it's it's really not. Some technology is innovative, but if you're the seventh search engine in the market, you're not that innovative. So, um, yeah, th- that's why I start my book with a very simple, very, very simple, uh, innovative product on page one, and it's called the cake pop. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think many of your listeners will have seen them now. I mean, it's really a, a round ball of cake that's on a and you, you you put sparkles on it and all that stuff and you know if you go to Starbucks I think they're selling them for three seventy five now <laughs> or something crazy like that and people are buying them by the millions and why I say it's so innovative is that it was created by accident by a baker who was looking for a way to use um, scrap cake and and they thought it would be fun to to dress up that little piece cake, put it on a stick, make it look fun, and um, Angie uh, Bakerella Dudley actually was the inventor of it, went on to Martha Stewart, and the phenomenal was, was, was launched, and I, I think when you look at every innovation, even as simple as a cake pop, you have the customer in mind. I mean, when this came out, it was about 2007, obviously it wasn't a, a great economic time, um these were fun they were engaging uh they were a good simple treat without having a full piece of cake you know i'm not saying that weight watchers is running and telling you to, <laughs> to eat cake pops but it's certainly better than a full slap so um, true and and it captured people's imagination and and again they sold millions if not tens of millions of these things around the world now so no innovation doesn't have to be technology it doesn't have to be expensive uh, it just has to capture the, the, the customer's imagination, solve a challenge, help them live their lives easier or better.
0: I, I, I love that definition because I think that uh, we do cause, uh, if you really want to cause a disturbance with your customers, uh, it seems to me to be a fairly simple question. Shouldn't you just ask them what's happening? What do they need? What do they want? What, what are they worried about? I mean, is that just uh, it's so old-fashioned that nobody even does it anymore?
1: Well, I I, I truly believe it is. And, you know, uh, you can take it from a simple scale to a very large scale. And I us start with a large. I mean, you look at 3M, and, I mean, they are – I mean, there's. I don't think there's anybody as sophisticated in the innovation process as they are. They've built basically listening centers, innovation centers around the world where they bring – their customers into to to talk about their problems and 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 their products and come up with solutions together, and it, it's an incredible thing. And when I heard this, and I was fortunate enough to experience it, I said, you know, I, I've only got you know twenty thirty people in my company. I can't build innovation centers around the world, but what I can do is take my clients out more often and ask them what's on their mind and. I think it's really important to, to note that, you know, when I say that to people, they go, yeah, but, you know, I, I talk to my customers every day. And you do, but on a daily basis, you, you're, you're selling to them or you're servicing them. Just take them out to talk about them in the long term. And, and it's, you know, it'll cost you 50 bucks or whatever it does. You don't right. have to build right. a 3M center if you're an entrepreneur. Um, so yeah, just take them out, get out of the office, listen to people. It's, it's just not that hard, it's, it's not
0: that expensive. I totally agree, but let me tell you what I see them doing, and I'm just curious if you've noted this as well. When you start talking about ask your customer, the, the very first thing that you have is somebody is gonna say, well, yeah, let's just ask everybody, why don't we do a little survey? And so they create an electronic survey and they send that to everybody and think that they're going to get all of this valuable information back. Uh, I mean, it it, it drives me nuts because I get them all the time. I'm like, I I don't care about completing, taking 10 minutes of my time to tell you what's important to me. I'm not talking to a machine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I I completely agree. And you know, there's, there's two types of data that comes from research. There's the type that you are talking about that tells you um, what people are doing. You know, mm-hmm. n- Nine people went to the store that day and bought ice cream or nine people really enjoyed the speech. When you're in face-to-face with somebody, you get the other data, and that's why they're doing it. Um, they're doing it because they enjoy this. They're doing it because... Uh, they don't know if there's any other way to do it, to make their product, to deliver their service. And it's that face-to-face time, that human time, where, where you will understand why they are doing things a certain way, and that will prompt you to say, but you know, if I did this for you, you could do it you know, a, a different or better way. Mm-hmm. A-
0: and you can't, you can't interact on a survey. Absolutely. You cannot interact. And and that's what bothers me so much about it. I'm not saying that some surveys aren't useful. uh, But when it comes to really innovating your own company and understanding where you should go, I I just don't think there's any substitute for having some conversation with people. Uh, And the people that are using your products and services, that's the best way to ask. It's not just Oh, did I solve your little bit your little problem today? You got to go deeper than that and have a meaningful conversation with somebody.
1: Well, you, you do, and th- there's a couple of things. I mean, one, I do what I'm describing in terms of mm-hmm. taking my my clients out or my team takes clients out on a regular basis. The other thing that I do, and I do it every one to two years uh, max, is I I'll have um, there's a researcher we use who's a really wonderful um, interviewer, and she has candid conversations with, say, a dozen of of my clients, and, you know, they they might open up to her in ways that they wouldn't have opened up to me, and they they will talk about my company, um, how I'm servicing them, what I might be able to do better. It will focus on the client's challenges and things the client perceives that I can do more or better for Mm -hmm. them, so... It's it's sort of, it's, again, it's conversation, but sometimes that third party, um, every couple of years, can really find out some uh,
0: incredible information. That's a great suggestion, and I think that's one all of us can implement. I, I love that. Uh, one of the things that uh, you've talked about in the book is that uh, you devote some time to talking about uh, what you call the 90% rule. And uh, that, that's one of the keys to innovation. So would you mind uh, defining, uh, or at least giving us some idea of what you describe when you talk about the 90% rule?
1: Sure, the, the 90% rule, it's one, most importantly, it's not a formula, it's a philosophy. And it basically, I, I've exercised this for years. I, I sit down with myself, my team, and now with my clients, and I say, let's write down all the things that we believe that we are good or great at. And, and, and then we do that, we put a circle around that, and we say, okay, let's call that the 90%. And then we push that aside. And then I say to them, you know what, no matter how good or great we are at those things, there's always something we can do better. There's always something that we can do differently. And for me, that is the next 10%, the next 10 product or process or service improvement that we can bring to market. And when I use the word always, as an entrepreneur, I truly believe there hasn't been a day in 25 years now that I haven't asked myself, you know, what one thing can I do better today within my business? So, you know, again, this philosophy of always looking for the next 10%, always thinking about the customer, always thinking about improvement, it makes sure the complacency never creeps into my business.
0: I just love that. Uh, it, it also keeps out uh, what I call as laziness. Uh, w- when we just focus on those things that we're doing uh, well, it's generating income for us, we tend to get lazy at it. And the next thing you know, we're, somebody's beating us at that, uh, at that product and service that we did so well. Okay, completely, and
1: and you know as entrepreneurs, I mean, and I understand it. I mean, you know, you work so hard to get things going. You've got a successful product or, or business, and you want to take a step back once in a while. And unfortunately, we, we we truly can't anymore. And you know, Steve Jennings noted in Forbes not long ago. He was you know the study that shows that the average uh, length of a uh, Fortune 500 company used to be 75 years and now it's 15. Um, it's not just Fortune 500 companies that whose life cycles and product cycles are shorter, it's it's entrepreneurs.
0: Absolutely. It's small
1: companies and it's tough.
0: Absolutely it is and because it is tough, uh, you've gotta be at your best all the time. I think that's one of the things I love so much about your book is that you're constantly encouraging us uh, to look for constant innovation, not just uh, an occasional uh, spark of interest.
1: Well, well, yes, and again, that's why I start with a simple, you know, working with a company and I watched some things they had done and, you know, one was so simple, they, they reorganized their office furniture because it created better communication flow. Then you say, okay, if communication flow is important, well, how do you do it on emails? Because you know we get a you know a wave of emails every day, and and everyone BCCs and CCs everybody. <laughs> um, we, we we looked at that. We looked at time and processing, and we worked from there. So again. I'm not saying you have to change the world every day, but there are small refinements um, that you can make every day. And it's really important, again, for me, I I say to start with simple, because if you take your team and you say to them, okay, we've never been innovative before, but today you've got to be disruptive. You've got to change the world, and guess what? You have 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your success rate probably isn't going to be that good. If, if you let people rearrange the furniture, um, use different communication tools, get comfortable with process innovation, with the flow of work, and then they go, oh, okay, maybe we should apply that to a product or service we're offering, you know, you're building confidence, you're building successes, and, and, and that's ultimately what we want to do.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I think that's a a, a great, uh, a great comment to continue to build those successes. Uh, I I learned uh, something uh, a long time ago that that really made a difference in my career and in in particular in my companies uh, that I've worked with and run myself. And that was that people said, well, progress, you know, it's got to be these big chunks. And I'm like you, I don't think that I think that People by nature uh, do small things well and uh, so the way I started thinking about it was what one thing can I do to improve uh, each day and uh, just like you described well I, I kept up with that and I realized after a year that I had done over 300 things that actually improved my success and my company's success and I actually had them listed you know, which is almost unheard of, nobody does that. And uh, so when you think about constant progress, I I do think sometimes we've we've, uh, corrupted the word innovation and and we've tried to make it this, I don't know, maybe a PhD study, if you will, whenever all it is is let's, let's look inside and do some things better than we did yesterday.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and you know what, uh, if you're going to write long books, you, you can't do it on a simple idea, I guess.
0: It, that, that's true. <laughs> I, that's true. A lot of people, it, what, it, it, it's funny that, to me, I mean, people want to buy, uh, they look at a book and say, well, this book is no good because it's not 684 pages. <laughs> That's right. And, so uh, I
1: try, you know, as an entrepreneur, I try and be as pragmatic <laughs> as, as as possible, whether I'm, you know, working within my own business or trying to share some insights. And, and um, <laughs> I, I love I, it. I, Ken. I I think one thing you said was really important that you um, you track the ideas, right? And and, and 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 you monitor them. Like one of the things that I tell people to do is. And I've got it in my office. Um, I just have a big rolling whiteboard. I mean, I don't know what it costs me, 100 or $200. It's not a huge investment. And there's five areas that I want to improve in my business, like five main areas. And mm-hmm. I explain to people why and and, and, and you know, put out some of the ideas uh, that we're working on and timelines. And then I put um, a sticky pad, sticky note pad and pen right there so that, Anybody you know once they understand what it, what it is that we want to change or improve whenever they have an idea they can add it to the board and the great thing about the board is it's it's large um, I love everybody it. sees it, everybody's aware of it and and I think that that's really critical because the old out of sight out of mind applies so strongly uh, to innovation I mean you know you have great ideas you write them on the you know sticky note or proverbial back of a napkin and you don't put them on the board you decide to put them on the corner of your desk and then you get refocused on front burner issues mm-hmm. and then you you come back to them and you know the pieces of paper are, are, are dusty and crumpled and the ideas are irrelevant because you've waited too long and that that's really a shame to me so yeah. you got to keep things out in the open You've got to monitor and measure, as you're discussing, you know, that that you do. And don't hide things away.
0: Awesome. I love that. That's a great, and thanks for sharing that you do that, because I think those are the kind of tips that really help all of us. Uh, Before we go any further, uh, I know people are going to want to connect with you. Uh, Ken, why don't you uh, share with our listeners the best way they can connect with you and your great work?
1: Sure. Uh, the The website is causeadisturbance.com. So, pretty
0: easy. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. We can. Uh, and for those of you that are exercising, as always, we'll have a link directly to causeadisturbance.com. And uh, I, I want to encourage you to to go to Ken's website, uh, get his book, and start reading it. I, I find it to be a book that you can read over and over and find new insights in. Uh, Ken, before we go today, I would uh, appreciate it if you would share with our listeners what uh, two or three action items that you believe each one of us should take so that we can begin to cause a disturbance in our own business and our own lives.
1: Well, I I think the first thing is um, uh, get out of the office. You know, if, if, and I know as entrepreneurs, it's really tough. We get really buried down in work, but if you are staring at the same screen and you're seeing the world from the same perspective every day, you will not come up with new ideas. So, um whether it's executive roundtables or or chamber of commerce events or whatever it is, get out, meet people, hear what other people are doing. Um you're going to pick up some great ideas and insights uh that that you, that you won't uh when you're when you're sitting in the office alone. Um the other thing is engage your your team uh you know, more heads are better than one today, and the reality is, is you just can't come up with enough ideas as a single individual anymore to keep moving your business forward. People who are on your team, they, they, they want to be part of your business, they want to be engaged, and they're close to the customers. Some of them may be closer than you are on a day-to-day basis. Um, as I say, put that board up, get them involved, get their ideas up there. And finally, yeah, it is that board. Uh, don't hide things away. Don't put ideas in your computer when you close your computer. Those, those ideas are out of out of sight, out of mind. Uh, get get those ideas up on the board. Let everybody be involved and um, and, and keep getting stimulated by by traveling and visiting and, and and being part of the greater business community.
0: Well, those are fantastic uh, tips, Ken. And and I know that if each of us do that, we will cause a disturbance because not many are doing that. So uh, thank you so much for your wisdom and insight today. I appreciate it very much. Well, thanks for having me on. Our guest today has been Ken Tenser, and Ken is the author of Cause a Disturbance. I hope that you'll get a copy of Ken's book. You'll uh, take his advice, go out and begin causing a disturbance in your own business, and watch the revenue roll in. Thanks again, Ken. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today, and I hope all of you uh, learned a lot from Ken Tensor in how to cause a disturbance in your business. And I know that sometimes it can be very difficult to figure out how to get your team moving forward together. And if your team is struggling, I wanna encourage you to sign up your team uh, for LEAD at Mojo University. Uh, You're going to find that when we can train your people properly, uh, they're going to be more successful. And one of the things that I love to do uh, for companies that sign up their entire management team is to meet with them monthly and help them review what they've learned and do some live coaching with them at that point. So go to lead at mojouniversity.com, there will be a link here, and sign up. Uh, yourself or even better sign up your team thanks for listening and until next time uh, much success to you and your team